Exodus chapter 35. <clears throat> Moses has come back down off of the mountain and he's brought with him the instructions to begin to build the temple. We've studied the preparation that was made over several chapters, all the materials and everything that it would take. We're speaking tonight about the preparations for building the tabernacle. Now remember, when God gave them all of these things that they needed to build the tabernacle, God knew that all of these things were in their possession. When churches get ready to build a building, I believe that God places the possessions that is needed for that building in the hands of the people who are there. We went to Battle Creek, Michigan in 1983, a little group of about 12 people meeting in a rented school room, wanted to become a church. They were just a mission at that time. And God began to bless and we began to see souls saved and the, the group continued to grow. As a matter of fact, the mother church got to complaining that we were using their baptistry more than they were. Well, that's a good complaint, but, <laughs> but anyway, it come time to build a building. Sweetwater Baptist Association had purchased five acres of land for the purpose of building a church there in, in Battle Creek. So we had the land. I remember we applied to the Home Mission Board for a loan and went through all the legal process and all that stuff and they came back with, well, we'll give you the loan, but we want you to get interim financing through a local bank. And then when the building is built, we'll pay that loan off. Well, we went down to the banker, began to talk to them about it and applied for the loan. And the banker gave us a date to come back. And we went back and uh, me and a couple of the men in the church, we didn't have any deacons there. We, we were just a mission. We had never been constituted as a church, I don't guess. But we sat down in that banker's office and he took the plans that we had given him and all like that. And he began to tell us, he said, first of all, you can't build this building on the amount of money you're wanting to borrow. He says, it'll take at least twice that. And I spoke up and I said, well, you do understand that we're planning on building it with volunteer labor, don't you? He laughed. He said, you mean to tell me that I can't get a faucet fixed in my bathroom without paying union wages? And you're going to get volunteers to build this building? I said, yes, sir. I've already got them lined up. And he said, well, 
you don't have enough people there to pay this loan back. And I said, well, you're right about that, but the church is growing. I said, God is blessing. And I've never forgotten what he did. He reared back in his chair, put his feet up on the desk and said, well, let God get your money then. And he dismissed us. That was on a Wednesday. We went to our Wednesday night meeting that night and I shared with the people what the banker told us. And I said, we've got a crew coming in here Monday to start laying the foundation. And we don't have any money and we don't have any materials. And I said, we need to pray. And we prayed. Thursday morning, I called the home mission board and they are located in Atlanta. Told them our problem. The man said, do you have an attorney? And I said, yes, I do. He said, do you have the deed to the property? I said, yes, we do. And he said, well, get your attorney to draw up a, a promissory note. Get your church to sign it. Send us a copy of the deed. Said, we'll put the check in the mail. That was Thursday morning. Friday morning, I went out to the mailbox, and there was the check in the mailbox. From Atlanta to Battle Creek, Michigan, it normally took five days for mail to travel that far. Today, it took it three weeks, I guess. But we went and I got the men together. One of them said, I think we need to take our money out of that bank over there. I said, no. We're going to put this money in that bank. That banker said, let God get your money. I says, he's going to get to see it, but he ain't going to make a penny off of it. We'll keep it in a checking account. <laughs> and we did that. And when Monday morning rolled around, we had the materials sitting there, had the equipment sitting there for the men to start work. And God provided that, that's all I can say. That's a God thing. Well, here, time is coming for them to begin building the tabernacle. Up to here to four, God's just been laying the plans out. And look in verse 1. Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded that you should do them. And he gives them a command. Six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day there shall be unto you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. God has Moses to reiterate the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. God knew these people were anxious to go to work, and he I, I suppose down in in Egypt they had probably been used to working seven days a week. Slaves normally didn't get a day off, you know. And God knew their, their mindset. God knew that they would try to work on that tabernacle seven days a week. And he didn't want that. He wants that one day set aside, not only for man to rest, 
but as a time for us to worship God. Now, notice what he says. Whosoever does work therein shall be put to death. The death penalty for working on the Sabbath. That's pretty stiff, isn't it? Verse 3, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. Bible scholars tell me this is the only time that's mentioned in the Bible is right there. And there's some debate on why it's there. The best thing that I read about was that they were going to have to be melting a lot of metal down. And God even wanted them to take a day off from that. He didn't want a fire built on that day, somebody said, well, he didn't want their wives having to cook. Well, I think the one about not melting the metal down, because once you get a furnace going, melting metal, you might have to keep it going, if I understand it right. At least that's the way it is up at Vestals and Sweetwater. They, when they get that furnace going, they, they run it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But... <clears throat> You can have your own ideas about that. But then the Lord begins to share, Moses begins to share what the Lord had shared with him. Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. It's not Moses' commands, it's the Lord's commands. This is what the Lord commanded. And this is what he said. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and acacia wood and oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. Bring all these things. These people, you remember when they left Egypt, God told them to go and borrow things from their neighbors. And this is some of the things they had borrowed, evidently. They had it with them. They had all the materials that was needed. And a whole bunch of them that he mentions there. Notice it was not mandatory. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. Whosoever is of a willing heart. It's those who are willing that give to God's work. You can't make people give. I learned that a long time ago. You can encourage them. You can lead the way. But God opens their hearts. I, I remember a message that God gave me. I had been to Ukraine on my first trip there. And the pastor that I was working with, they had a little group meeting in some homes. That was the, the nucleus of, of a little church there out in a, 
a village about 30 miles from where he lived. And we met there on Sunday morning in someone's home. And after the service, we got in the car and he drove around to a piece, a parcel of land. And he said, the farmer next door has given us this piece of land to build our church building on. And there was a huge uh, rock there in that piece of land. And we got out of the car and walked over to it. And he said, now this rock, he said, we're going to, that's, we're going to let that be the cornerstone for our church building. He says, that's where we're going to start building is right there on that rock. And he said, Brother Clayton, do you think your church could help us provide some money so that we can buy some materials? Now, this was Nina's dad. That's who I'm talking about. And I said, well, Pastor Vasily, We'll pray about it and see what God says. I learned quick in Ukraine, you don't promise them anything except you'll pray about it. <laughs> and I came back and I was excited about the trip. We'd saw several people saved and saw God working in so many ways there. And God gave me a message and I preached it to our church where God told David, I have chosen you to build me a house. And I shared it with the church. I said, I, I believe God has chosen Cedar Fork Baptist Church to build him a house in Ukraine. And I'd asked Pastor Vasily, I said, how much do you think it will take to build this building? He said, $5,000. Now this is back in 1996. One of our dollar was worth about 10 or 15 and theirs, you know, so you multiply it by that. And I challenged the church to raise that amount of money. I was out in the community one day, stopped by to see a little widow lady and I knew she just lived on her little Social Security pension. She was a very, very poor lady. As I sat there and talked to her, I didn't mention anything about that church. And all at once she started crying. And she said, Pastor, said that message you preached about God is chosen us to build him a building, a house. She said, God's laid it on my heart to give some money. And she got up and went and brought me a hundred dollar bill. You talk about breaking the pastor's heart. I told that at her funeral. Nobody else knew about it. But God laid it on her heart. She had a willing heart to give. It may have been like the little woman with the two little coins. It may have been all she had. I don't know. But I knew she gave it with a willing heart. And I couldn't refuse it. You just, 
you just have to cry with them and rejoice that God is doing things. But anyway, that church is still standing there today, still growing, still reaching people. I'm sure he did, yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah. But here, all of these different items that the Lord says to bring. And he's already given Moses the instructions up there on the mountain. Now the people are hearing all the different items that God needs from them. Verse 10, it says, And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Not only are they to bring the materials, they are to become laborers in this project. They're to get involved. And if you want to see a church grow, get involved in something. When people get to working on projects or whatever it is, they get excited about it, they feel good about it, and they begin to share it with other people. We were building that building there in Battle Creek, Michigan. I'd be surprised so many times people had just stopped by off the highway and said, we notice you're building a, a building here. What's it going to be? Well, it's going to be a church. What can I do to help? And sometimes they'd come in there and drive a few nails or, you know, do some plumbing or electrical or whatever they did. I remember one fella, we, we started, we put up a, a wood exterior uh, and it needed to be stained. And we didn't have anybody really in the congregation knew much about staining, so a few of them started making a mess out of it more than anything else. And a painter came by. He said, I'll paint this building for you if you'll allow me to. We said, sure. <laughs> he painted it and did a beautiful job. I mean, he stained it. But it was all the same color when he got through. We was, <laughs> some put it on too light and others too dark. But anyway, he did it just right. But the people had a a wise heart. It says, every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and his tent, his covering, his tatches, his boards, his bars, his pillars, his sockets, the ark, the staves thereof, the mercy seat, the veil of the tabernacle, or the veil of the covering, the table and his staves and all of his vessels, and the showbread, and the candlestick also for the light, and his furniture and his lamps with the oil for the light, and the incense altar and his staves and the anointing oil, the sweet incense and the hanging for the door of the entering of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with his brazen grate, his staves and all his vessels, and the laver in his foot, and the hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets, 
and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service to the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron and the priest and the garments and all his sons to minister to in the priest's office. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And it didn't say anything about them being angry. Didn't say anything about you've left me out. No, they departed from the presence of Moses and they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle and of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found a case who would for any work in the service brought it. And all the women that were wise hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine lemon. And all the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers, they brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and the anointing oil for sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. I know that's a lot of reading. And we could go back and talk about everything that was brought. But God placed it on the hearts of his people to give. And they gave. And they gave willingly. They didn't give grudgingly. If you're going to give something grudgingly, the Lord just rather you keep it. He don't need it. He can do without it. But he wants us to give. And when we give, I don't think we're ever any more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's a good description of God, isn't it? He gave his only begotten son. And there's a, such a joy in giving. There in the church in Battle Creek, we challenged our people. We had a, uh, I forget what we called it, challenged to, give something or other. And I know we we started out with a meeting where everybody brought some food and we ate together. And they uh, 
in the instructions that we got these from Home Mission Board or something about how to raise funds for buildings. And it suggested that the pastor be the first one to make a commitment to raise their giving. Well, Francis and I had talked about it and we prayed about it. And we'd been tithing for many years and we knew the blessings of tithing. And God challenged us to raise our giving from 10% to 25%. And I shared that with the church that we were raising our giving from 10% to 25%. And that caused other people to make commitments. Well, if the pastor can do it, I can do it. And you know, we never did miss that extra money that was going out. God somehow just replaced it, you know, and even give us more. You can't outgive God. He, he just continues to bless. And when, when God's people really learn the blessing of giving, it's, it's so wonderful. Uh, I got two letters this week. Both of them from Dr. Randy Davis over at Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. One of them thanking us for our gifts to disaster relief. And it shared with us how that money is being spent in disaster relief. The other one was for our gifts to Ukraine to help take care of the refugees over there. I don't know how much we sent. It didn't have a dollar amount. But it blessed my heart to read that. I shared with a couple of other people today. I had just gotten out of bed good this morning and my phone started ringing. And the first thought that went through my mind, somebody's died or somebody's in the hospital. And they're trying to get in touch with me. I answered my phone and it was Dr. Randy Davis. And he said, this is Randy Davis over at Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. He said, just wanted to call you this morning and tell you that we're praying for you. How's your wife, he said. And I said, well, Francis is struggling with neuropathy. And he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry. He says, we'll pray about that. And I asked about his wife, uh, Dr. Davis, and uh, we have been friends for a long time before he ever went to the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. But it was just such a pleasant surprise to get a phone call like that early in the morning to know that somebody's praying for us. And that's a gift. Do you know that? God uses him in that way. He, he's just a, a very humble man, a very humble servant of God. Let me stop here for a minute, you. I knew somebody's wanting to say something. <laughs> Challenge to Bill, that's it, yeah.
Yeah. You had a willing heart. That's where it all starts, is in the heart. Rick? Just yesterday, remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe two months ago, I asked if y'all knew a plumber that could help me out with my bathroom. Uh-huh. Yesterday afternoon, I get a call from him. He said uh, he was led. He said, I'm going to make it. I got uh, one big project I'm doing now. But when I get done with that project, I'm coming out to your house to fix that problem for nothing. All right. <laughs> so that's, that's a praise report right there. Yeah. And I said, no, you're not going to do it for nothing. I appreciate it. I can't do that. He said, uh, okay, well, you can give me a bottle of water. <laughs> a bottle of water. <laughs> I thought, you know, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. You know? And uh, I just thought that was a good praise report right Amen. There. Thank you, Rick. Did the rest of you hear that? He's had a plumbing problem and had a plumber come in and didn't get the job done right. And a fellow from Sweetwater willing to do it for $170, is that what you said? And uh, they had to delay it a little bit, and he called yesterday and said he'd do it for free. So came and fixed his problem for a bottle of water. <laughs> he said, he also said, I knew that you, you know, worked, you were a veteran that worked for the country, and that, uh, and I just want to give back, that's what he said. Do you know his name? Goldberg. Joseph, Joseph Goldberg. Okay. I'll try to keep that in mind. I live in Sweetwater. <laughs> yeah, Goldberg's a Jewish name. I had several calls, but this is the one I stuck with for some reason. It just you stick with the one that the God needs you to stick with. Right. And he, uh, amazing. I'm not going to let him go for nothing. Well, don't rob him of his joy. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to be a cheerful giver. And sometimes it's hard to be a cheerful receiver. He said he's a, I got a big heart. That's what he yeah. said. I got a big heart. I said, I know you do. I was really glad to meet you. Thank you, Rick. Anyone else? Where'd we get to reading? Down to about 30? 
Okay. Yeah. These two guys that we're going to talk about here, we've heard about them before, over about chapter 32, 33, somewhere along in there. Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. God told Moses that upon the mountain that he had called this man. This man is equipped. He is a craftsman in several different areas. And his name, Basil Liel, if I remember correctly, I talked about that. It means under the shadow of God. So God chose a man that was under his shadow. He was the son of Uri. Does anybody remember what Uri means? Well, let me get, see if I can find it. I might have wrote it down in my Bible. I don't know. Anyway, his name had a significant meaning. Yeah. Uh, her, Yuri. Well, anyway, it had it has something to do with God. And uh, his dad was her. And of the tribe of Judah, and Judah means praise. So when I studied it a few weeks ago, I had all that together, but I don't have my notes with me tonight. But anyway, they, uh, God had these men already picked out. Bezaliel, he's to be the superintendent over all of this work. And his uh, partner there is to be his helper. In verse 31 it says, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God. He's a Spirit-filled man. And Spirit-filled is used in more ways in the Bible. It, it's not just to be filled with the Spirit to speak for God. That's one of the great things that he does to, when he fills us with the Spirit is to make us uh, his spokesman. But he was filled with the Spirit of God to do the work that God had called him to do here. And it's a spiritual work when you're working for the Lord. He says he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. God had blessed this man. Now, I, I suppose that as a slave down in, in Egypt, he had been subjected to a lot of this kind of work, perhaps even trained in it down there, and he was a master craftsman in several different areas. He could carve wood, he could carve stones, he could uh, make molten things and all of that kind of stuff, whatever needed to be done. Verse 32, and it says, to devise curious works to work in gold and in silver and in brass, in the cutting of stones, to set them in carving and of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. 
Now look at verse 34. This is so important. And he has put in his heart that he may teach. He can't do all this by himself. God has put it in his heart to teach. Teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. Them has he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple, in scarlet, in fine linen, and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. God not only had taught him how to do all this and filled him with his spirit, but he also gave him the ability to teach his crafts to other people. You see, it takes more than one or two people to build this. It takes everybody that is capable in any way of doing those things. And we've got millions of people out here to pick from. But not all of them will volunteer. Not all of them gave, I'm sure. But the ones who had a willing heart did. It would be wonderful if everybody who made up a, a congregation, that if everybody worked diligently and did their part. But some people think my part's sitting on a pew. Well, that's important too. I mean, I could preach to empty pews. I have a few times, but I don't like to. <laughs> I'd much rather preach, preach to people and the pews be full of people. Does that end that chapter? Yes. Okay. I was reading out of this book. But uh, any questions or comments that you'd like to make? We're about to run short on time here. He does. A hilarious giver, that's right. He even loves those that don't give, but he, he really loves those that give. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate your being here tonight and uh, looking forward to uh, next week. We'll talk about the construction of the temple and the excitement of building that building for God. And I'll give you a little clue. The people brought so much they had to tell them to quit bringing. The only time I've ever known it been happening. <laughs> but but it's, uh, it's exciting. Well, we want to close out in a, our benediction tonight and then uh, give some time for our prayer groups. So, uh, Brother Bob, would you lead us in our benediction?
Amen. Okay, if you get in your prayer groups and just whenever you're finished praying, feel, feel free.